Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about one that was one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and it did not disappoint. Um, It is insane, and it was a lot of fun to talk about. We are talking about Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe as a pair of wikis that are... uh, stuck on a islands in a lighthouse slowly going mad and i guess slowly is not the right word because they are quickly going mad uh this movie goes from crazy to just crazier immediately and uh it is very unique and it was a lot of fun to talk about with returning co-host b garner So before we get into the conversation, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join the Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about on the show. And uh, yeah, I, I, I want to get into this one. We got a long conversation. This is a a movie that is open to lots of interpretation, and we had a lot to say about it, so it's a pretty long one. So let's just jump right into it. This is The Lighthouse. All right, so uh, with us today, we have B joining us again to do another Robert Pattinson-centric <laughs> episode. This is going to be hopefully a thing going forward, I imagine. B, how's it going? Yeah, it's going well, thank you. Thanks for having me join you again. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to have to be here when it comes to the Batman film. Ooh, yeah. yeah. That, that And that's going to be such a different movie, I'd imagine. But I mean, we will see once it comes. Maybe it will be a weird, crazy movie filled with Robert Pattinson and lots of bodily fluids and, and <laughs> things, but I mean, who knows? I guess we'll find out. When, well, he when did. He did say that apparently he um, mimics Defoe's uh, voice when he's playing the role as the Batman. So, oh. uh, yeah, that there might be a little tie-in with the the lighthouse going on there. I'm in. I'm in a hundred percent. Well, this this was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. I, I'll just say that right up front. Even though I was not the biggest fan of The Witch, I, I appreciated The Witch and and just that that level of attention to detail and production design and everything. But I I wasn't 
I wasn't huge on the actual story being told, and I, I felt it was slow in a way that mm. uh, I just really didn't quite connect with, even though I liked the movie. Uh, but this is a very different movie, <laughs> even though it shares some uh, some aspects with Rob Reiger's uh, previous work. Yeah, I, I've, I've watched The Witch with my partner and my sister, and they both hated the film so much. And <laughs> I love it. I really think it's amazing. I love like, the mood and the atmosphere of the you know that happens and for me it's really really scary and quite disturbing but they were just mm. like what why is there a goat and then yeah <laughs> but, well the goat does rule but I yeah know. the goat does rule <laughs> but the seagull is you know in in the lighthouse is now becoming my favorite like oh my god yeah i love the seagull and <laughs> uh oh we'll, we'll get into it well yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, I think we're going to probably have a lot to talk about with this one. So why don't we just jump right into some puzzle pieces? What do you got for your first one for The Lighthouse? Okay, so um, I'm going with Ingmar Bergman's The Owl, uh, the Hour of the Wolf. Um, okay. do, I, I don't know whether you've heard of this movie at all. I think I've heard of it, but I've certainly never seen it. And I, I will say right before you get into your explanations, this is exactly why I was hoping to have you on the show, because <laughs> I, I knew you would know these movies that I, my my film vocabulary doesn't quite stretch back to some of this stuff. And clearly, these kind of things are inspirations uh, for someone like Robert Eggers. And mm. so I'm I'm glad to have you here to talk about stuff like this <laughs> that I definitely have not seen. Well, it's, it's good because uh, I finally make use of my film. Film studies degree so <laughs> right. and my, uh, yeah and my careers counselor said I would never amount to anything so <laughs> <laughs> anyway so the hour uh, the hour of the wolf is uh, from 1968 and it tells the story of a troubled artist played by uh, Bergman sort of regular Max von Sydow um, who goes to a remote island so there we go. We've got the connection between remote islands and the lighthouse. Sure. Um, and on this island, he goes mad, as as you do. I feel like anyone who goes on an island is not going to have a good time, unless it's like a tropical island, you know, maybe. <laughs> it sure seems that way, yeah. Yeah. And this film is so surreal and crazy. Basically, um, he has a wife who's played by Liv Ullman, another Bergman regular, and she is trying to keep everything afloat. You know, he's mm. he's going completely crazy. He starts saying that he's seeing people. Um, he tells us of this weird story, um, which may or may not be true, about killing a young boy. Um, mm. Which is very warped and quite uh, shot in such a in silence and while watching the lighthouse and um when uh rob patterson's character is telling about what happened and why he's ended up on you know in the going to be on this remote island he's on the run and mm -hmm. the possibly he's murdered someone although it's hard to tell what's real and what's not and right. that's what is the same with um, the hour, the hour of the wolf. It's this idea of um, what is real and what's fantasy, and the blurring of the lines. And the film is shot in 
typical Bergman fashion. So there's high angles and low angle shots. Everyone looks like slightly distorted and mm. disfigured in some sort of way and tight camera um, shots. And there's this wonderful scene where they're having a, a they go to this dinner because there's some people who are living on this island and they invite the artist and his wife to, to have dinner and the camera keeps spinning around the table and it makes it really dizzy and then there's just quick jump cuts to each person talking, but they're talking over each other. And it, mm. it's playing around with sound and this layering of sound uh, and dialogue. And I, I feel like that's uh, definitely what's Eggers is referencing throughout sure. the lighthouse is Bergman and his, especially that one film. I can, it's yeah, it's a really really weird film. And I, if you're going to go into Bergman's f- filmography, it's probably not the best one to start with because you, <laughs> not all of his films are like that. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely one of the ones that is his most psychological horror. Uh, right. Even though not, there isn't really that much horror in it. It's more to do with the mood and the atmosphere and keeping people on the edge, waiting for something. This feeling of dread, which I think, and then that's just like the lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. Which, it's not really horror, even though it's inevitably going to be uh, kind of pigeonholed into that horror uh, genre. But it's really not a horror movie. I mean, it, it's more of just like this this uh, psychological. Mm just uh descent into madness which you know certainly is a sister to the the horror genre but uh you know horror isn't exactly it and the way you're describing some of uh what Bergman was doing in the hour of the wolf I mean definitely uh, I actually was just listening to an interview with Robert Eggers and uh he was talking about the you know the camera movements and how they they you know help to bring the audience into that state of mind of you know the the ter- deterioration that that mm. Robert Pattinson's character is is going through and um yeah it's just it's really cool yeah yeah I mean uh it's it's funny because the the it's not really a descent into madness because they're mad anyway like the moment right. they get there they're already <laughs> yeah. mad uh you know that wonderful moment where they just look at the camera just before they go inside and they're just like okay they're they're crazy they're- yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh well great i great first puzzle piece i i really enjoyed that hearing about you know the the use of of uh, all of those kind of things to to you know, help tell the story and, and help, uh, you know, sell that, that craziness there. Um, I, I'm going to go for my first one. Uh, well, another Descent into Madness kind of movie. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Oh. Um, and, of course, with The Shining, you also get a uh, main character who is in a remote location with the intention of doing work and upkeep on on the uh the place while he's there uh and of course he's doing his own writing as well but uh still he's there for somewhat similar reasons to uh Robert Pattinson in in the lighthouse uh coming to this remote location and then everything from that point forward just going from just crazy to worse to worse to worse and of course also not really knowing what is real um by the end of the movie you know it is it is pretty clear that there's not there's almost nothing that you can definitively say happened or didn't happen it's all kind of open to interpretation 
Yeah, the same with um, the lighthouse. I mean, you can have yep. so many different readings. And I, I mean, have you seen the Shining documentary, um, Room Two Three Seven? Yes, yes. Yeah, I kind of want a documentary to go along with the lighthouse, which oh, has, has everybody sort of like giving out their theories. I don't think it's about the moon landing, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that that wouldn't work with this one necessarily, but there's plenty <laughs> of theories to go around, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and and like you were saying about the shining. It, this idea of what is real and what's not and sort of blending together and I think what Stanley Kubrick does with that film is create that sense of dread right from the very opening you know when he's having that um, uncomfortable meeting that interview and you can already see he's mad just yeah. by <laughs> yeah he's not showcasing anything yet but you just can tell there there's just something off here yeah and it's very unsettling but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just thinking of a double bill between the lighthouse and the shining you just be complete oh boy <laughs> like by the end of it wow <laughs> you'll be questioning oh, your yeah. sanity <laughs> oh yeah and, and and also i guess now that i think about it the uh you know, Edgar's production design uh, that, you know, he puts into his movies. I mean, you know, it's it's just impeccable. I mean, you, you just, the, the, the locations are so, uh, I mean, I imagine so true to life, true, so, so just thought out, you know, in such a way. It's just, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, he really sort of, you can get the sense that he's a perfectionist, just like Kubrick was. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Look, you just have to look at the level of attention to the language in mm. bo both The Witch and The Lighthouse, you know? I mean, that the research that's gone into recreating that time period, um, even though it kind of feels like those films do exist outside of time. Sure, so sure. The, but. Yeah, you know, speaking of that language, uh, before moving on to another puzzle piece, I, I would love, I, like, I'm going to see this again in the theater for sure. This is a movie that needs a second viewing, um, but I am very much looking forward to watching it at home with subtitles <laughs> once it comes out, because yeah. there is, must be so much I missed the first time through. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same, like, um, there's just, especially when uh, Defoe gives his long monologues. Oh, and he's just so rambling good. on. <laughs> <laughs> so damn good. He is just incredible. He, he delivers those with, I mean, and there's, there's, I mean, it should come as no surprise. He's truly like one of the greats and, you know, and so it really shouldn't be a surprise, but I mean, he is so good in this. So, so good. Um, yeah, I, I will give another puzzle piece if that's okay. It. I'm sticking with Bergman for a while. Mm -hmm. It's not all going to be Bergman films. I mean, although I could easily do that. <laughs> uh, this is um, Persona is my next film, um, which is from 1966. And um, is probably one of Bergman's most well-known films. Um, I guess Wild Strawberries is another film that could, you know, be a puzzle piece as well. Uh, but um, Persona is, again, captures the themes of isolation. We have two main characters, pretty much, um, who are only, uh, you know, the only characters in the film. There are other characters, but never really focus on them. 
Mm-hmm. And the film follows a, a, a woman uh, who's a nurse called Alma, who's put in charge of looking after this actress called Elizabeth, um, who uh, is refusing to talk. And eventually um, they decide to go to this isolated cottage in order to sort of for Elizabeth to, to rest and recover. And it's at this cottage that their relationship becomes more developed and Alma starts confessing to Elizabeth, who doesn't talk back to her, um, all of these secrets, like a secret, uh, in, uh, a f- kind of like an affair that she had, and mm. um, all these um, confessions that she gives. And the two women almost become one. They start merging into each other. And mm. then you start questioning reality. Does, you know, is one of them even real? Are they even the, sure. sa- the same person? And I think that's what happens here with the lighthouse to some extent. You start wondering whether, could it be that Defoe's character's not even there? Mm-hmm. Is it just uh, Robert Patterson on this island and is he going crazy and, and imagining, I mean, he's going crazy, we know that, but is he imagining <laughs> a second person being there? Or is it the other way around? You know, is Defoe alone? And absolutely um, imagining this other person there and that's what i think is really interesting is this idea of um people uh when they're together and they start syncing up with each other and you know you know like how couples start dressing the same sure <laughs> sure <laughs> but they almost become like the same person they start finishing each other's sentences and they start copying the manner mannerisms and uh i think as well the the what's interesting about persona is it's very surreal and there's definitely it's not a psychological horror like the hour of the wolf is it's Mm -hmm. more of a a experimental film uh there's not really a story there and that's kind of what happens with the lighthouse there isn't really I mean, what is the plot? <laughs> it's really sure. hard to define. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a, a film which is experimental and um, a, a sort of piece of reflection and personality. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. If if you're gonna start with Bergman, that's where you start. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah, and and that uh, that kind of lack of plot is a little bit of what keeps this from being like probably my favorite movie of the year you know it brings it down a couple of notches but uh yeah i mean i love that idea of being able to sink into uh theories of you know what's real what's not is are these characters real you know what is happening here and that's just it's funny that uh you know we previously also uh got together to talk about um uh under the silver lake right. another movie which you know from this year that would just theories upon theories upon what is real and what is not real and yeah i mean we're we're covering some uh some some crazy movies the two of us yeah so I, I, yeah it seems to be like our thing isn't it yeah what's next sure I does. Just, gosh i don't know <laughs> can't wait can't wait uh well i'll go with another one um and it is 
another movie with incredible cinematography and then just a couple of incredible performances and just set the camera up and just watch them go. Uh, it is... Uh, there will be blood, oh. and, and uh, I, I just, I, that's, I, to this day, one of I think the most beautiful movies of this decade, as far as cinematography mm-hmm. is concerned, and uh, just watching Daniel Day Lewis just go insane, <laughs> and wa- watching Paul Dano keep up with him completely. I think Paul Dano is incredible and most people do not talk about how good he is in it. Um, And it's just one of those kind of movies where it's just, you just watch in awe, you know, of just these two people at the top of their game, just, just going for it with these huge, huge performances uh, and being captured in such a beautiful way, even though what's happening is so dark and kind of disturbing (laughs) along the way. Yeah, and again, the idea of recreating a time period as mm-hmm. well and the level of detail and attention yes. paid. I mean, oh, that, it, it, it's it's crazy to think that it wasn't, it, it was all made, you know, it recreated. It feels so real. So yeah. real. And it it's hard to tell uh, with, with The Lighthouse especially. I mean, There Will Be Blood is a little more clear, but with The Lighthouse exactly what that period is Mm. like you know it's not it's not one that i think most of us are you know maybe if you're a big history buff or something but like you know what is this period like you know and you know of course i I, i've read that it's you know kind of you know 19th century like you know and and like the exact settings and stuff like that but um you know it's not immediately uh discernible exactly what the period is to me yeah yeah it's like um that's what's kind of weird about it is that you can it doesn't feel like it's in any time at all Mm -hmm. it just has this weird sort of uh out of time like out of body experience it's so hard to to describe it i can't really it's that fable (laughs) element that really kind of throws it for a loop you know yeah then you're like wow all bets are off kind of (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all right, well, what do you got for your next one? Okay, so I've got um, a double bill. Um, I'm going with David Lynch, and I'm going with Razorhead and Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, like uh, this weird thing about black and white movies. I love black and white film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really, really do. And um, the Razorhead is so gorgeous to look at, even though it's quite disturbing. And mm-hmm. it's the same with the lighthouse. This idea of um, uh, beauty in the horror, uh, sure. the, like the the imager, images that we're seeing on screen are so horrific. I mean, we see a <laughs> the poor seagull. Um, <laughs> get, oh, you know uh, that that scene is just so like messed up, and there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on um, in the lighthouse. Just. <laughs> tentacles and monstrous mermaids and stuff um, <laughs> you kind of get that with a razor head is you know this when uh henry has his baby and it's this weird lizard creature i mm. mean I did, have you seen a razor head yeah yeah, yeah it's such a wild film and the, Crazy. Uh, the, the the chicken that bleeds when they carve it and it the the whole just the whole film is so messed up uh 
And again, this idea of isolation and descending into madness. Mm-hmm. And also with Mulholland Drive, uh, the kind of like persona, the pairing of two characters and whether they they almost start to blend into one person and uh, this surreal mystery around it because there's a mystery with the lighthouses what happened to um to cause these two men to take on this role and sure what they're running away from why uh, they spilled their beans? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I mean, that, that, oh, that, there's so many quotable lines as well. It's amazing. Just like all the lines that there there is in the lighthouse that are just so funny. Uh, you know, spe- speaking of that line, I I liked that. Um, a lot of the times in A twenty four film trailers, we get that repeated line building like a crescendo through the trailer, but it doesn't always happen like that in the movie. This is one time where they actually did have the "Why Did You Spill Your Beans" repeating through the actual movie during that one scene. Yeah, <laughs> which I kind I kind of liked. It was like a almost like an A twenty four fan service. Yeah, I they and the the. They've got a thing coming out, which is the shaving um, gift that you can buy, the beard oil. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> and it comes with a mermaid as well, like the, <laughs> the mermaid uh, sculpture. So I, I love, like, the, the their marketing team is amazing. Like, hats off to and them. They do so any, well. Any, anyone, anyone listening right now, I, I will definitely take that as a Hanukkah gift. <laughs> I, i'll take it as well i mean i don't there have a go. i don't have a beard but you know <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll look good on the shelf yeah. um <laughs> but yeah absolutely great uh great puzzle pieces there i mean that, that the black and white kind of thing definitely sells that with like a razor head and like it's just uh yeah i mean it's such such a cool looking thing this movie the lighthouse i mean it just everything just looks so freaking beautiful and then of course the um the aspect ratio also just adds to that. And I mean, it, it really just kind of adds to that feeling of being stuck on that, that crazy freaking island. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, actually, you know, to that point also, as uh, total aside before I go to my next puzzle piece, but it reminded me so much of um, the last time, I think it was called Point Arena Lighthouse uh, in Northern California. We went to, um, uh, on a trip a couple of years ago, it looked exactly like that, the top of the lighthouse, um, like the, the steps leading up. And then, and it's like, it's just, I remember being in that lighthouse and thinking like, this is crazy. Like that people would actually have been in here like doing work. Like it must've been insane. And now I get to kind of see that. <laughs> oh yeah. You're going to love my next puzzle piece. So. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I am going to go for my next one. Uh, well, you just doubled up on that one. So I'll go with a couple that went together. Um, this is more specific to, uh, the ending and the specific scene of, uh, when Robert Pattinson finally sees, uh, the light and it just absolutely destroys him. Spoiler alert, of course, but, you know, that's how this show, that's how this show goes. Um, but it reminded me a little bit of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, oh, as well yeah. as the Lost, uh, the Last Crusade. Um, but with, with that 
finally seeing or last crusade drinking from the cup but um and just it just completely just demolishes the character i mean in just such a, a cool insane way you know and i uh i gotta say when when he started like screaming and that <laughs> just distorted audio and like i mean i was just like i was almost giddy while i was watching that i was like this is crazy i love this you know um that that is just that is balls to the wall filmmaking right there i think yeah and you do like you you almost expect his face to start melting you know, yeah. oh, his head to explode or something. <laughs> Seriously, it was, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a crazy ending. I love that so much. I thought it was so cool. That's a good one. That's a good one. Right on. What do you got next? Yeah. Okay. So, right. Are you, do you want some story time? Are you, are you like stories? Do you like urban I'm, legends? I'm down. I'm okay. Down. All right. So bear with me with this one. Okay. And so I know this is not a, a film-related puzzle piece, but there has been a film based on this. So mm-hmm. um, I will tell you this, the urban legend of the Flannan Isle Lighthouse mystery. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the, um, there's some islands off the, the coast of Scotland, really, really, really remote, Um they're called the Flannan Isles and back in the 26th of December 1900 um, a, a ship went to this island um, after reports of that the lighthouse looked to be unmanned and this was quite a important lighthouse uh, where it was positioned there were quite a lot of rocks and so this lighthouse needed to be lit um you know it had to be it was a, it, otherwise you would have ships being destroyed and um you know sinking so um they sent a boat to go and have a look and the boat also had a replacement uh, lighthouse keeper on there so you know uh, they can swap swap out the lighthouse keepers there were mm. uh, on this island before i feel like uh, at the only a few weeks before, there had been three men assigned to man the lighthouse. And when they got to, um, when Captain James Harvey arrived on the island with the replacement lighthouse keeper called Joseph Moore, they found no one to greet them, which was weird. You know, hmm. um, they were obviously blaring their horns, saying, hello, here we are. <laughs> and you would expect <laughs> someone to, to meet them. They went up to the house. The house was locked. Um, the cottage was locked. They managed to get inside. And it was completely empty. Mm. Um, so the only thing that they found was an overturned chair. And two of the overcoats were missing from the hooks. The third one was still hanging up. Um, they found um, that a fire had been lit, but the beds up. Uh, the men's beds were still unmade so whatever happened to them you know this um must have happened to them in quite a, a quick sudden um you know something something happened to them for them to suddenly just leave the house sure. nobody yeah. and they were looking at the journals uh the logs and they were talking about a, a giant storm that was raging above them 
in the journal it said that one of the men uh, was crying, the other one was um, completely silent, not talking, and then the storm passed. And the final entry in the log was, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Mm. And to this day, they don't know where the men went. So there's, you know, there wasn't any way they could get off the island. Um, they theorized that maybe there was a, a big wave that swept them off, but their bodies were never found. And they say, well, we don't know why they would go out in such, uh, if there was a storm, why they would even go outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless one of the, the men needed help. But the right. fact that they don't have a, any solution to this mystery is what makes me think of the lighthouse you know like this idea of (laughs) you almost expect at the end of the the film like a ship with normal people (laughs) to arrive there and just (laughs) find (laughs) this madness that's happened Uh, and there was a film recently made um, starring uh, Gerald Butler called The Vanishing which is mm. kind of based on the same um, urban legend, and it's it's okay. It's not it's not great, but um, it it does sort of give a theory to it and an explanation as to why. But yeah, it's just one of those weird stories, like the Mary Celeste. This idea of people just vanishing into into nothing. Where did they go? It's so. stories like that that like just kind of remind you that like real life is just as creepy as anything in movies <laughs> right i know yeah, yeah. and yeah. That, that history is scary history <laughs> freaks me out more than any more than a lighthouse you know it's just <laughs> disturbing um uh, but yeah i just thought i would want you know bring that up because i think it's like, when i was younger i had this book of like strange mysteries and that was one of them that I read and I was like, oh my God, wow, what happened to it? And of course, like everybody's like, is it sea monsters or aliens? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, thought, um, I just wanted to, to make make listeners aware of it. So. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And I, I, I did hear that there were some like, you know, some of those kind of stories that maybe were somewhat of a basis of what this movie was going to be about. And I'm sure that stuff like that definitely crept into his, you know, research, you know, for someone, someone like Robert Eggers, I'm sure it's just an like insane amount of research that goes into it. He probably just <laughs> reads every possible story of all these things and just, you know, finds bits and pieces and whatnot to to come up with something like this. Yeah, that's what I love about him as a filmmaker is that Yeah. Yeah, he like I said with Kubrick, like the level of research and this idea of being a perfectionist is like yeah so impressive to me but yeah i just couldn't do that (laughs) that's why i'm really excited about his next one because he said in an interview that um you know assuming uh that that viking movie gets made i mean it is like a straight up revenge movie i i believe he said and so the idea of his level of of uh you know, planning and, and production, uh, but with something with, you know, a little bit more of a plot, maybe, you know, I'm like really excited to see what that's yeah, going to turn out. Yeah, gosh. Like. Yeah. You that, know? Yeah, that'd be a good one to, to do an episode on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Well, I'm going to go with a uh, a little bit of a silly puzzle piece here, um, but uh, that is the Will Ferrell and John C. Riley comedy Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just love the idea of, of these two guys who are kind of, they, they find themselves stuck together and they hate each other, but then they kind of get to love each other, but then they hate each other again and they love each other again and they hate each other again. And uh, they're, they're just kind of juvenile in the way they get on each other's nerves the whole time and drive each other nuts. And uh, I mean, it's obviously very uh, a, a silly piece you know compared to all the Bergman and all that kind of stuff but uh I think it I think it works yeah no I definitely think it does I was just starting to think of their song they sing was it boats and hose boats and hose yeah that fits this very well I want to see a mashup oh my god yeah there is definitely that weird gross out lad humor to oh, bo- yeah. both films like Absolutely. Uh, I'm just thinking in Step Brothers doesn't he like rub his like genitals on his drums or something on his drums yep yeah <laughs> there's stuff that like in the lighthouse which is very like disgusting as well like when he <laughs> i would laugh so hard when he goes to throw out the chamber pot and oh then the poof God. just flies back in his face Oh, and he lets out a scream, which I think any of us would. That scream is great. Um, and then all the all the farting, of course. Oh, I mean, God, I, the I, I was actually thinking there's there may be more farting in this than Swiss Army Man, which was billed as the A24 movie with just nothing but farts. But that, I think there was actually more farts than this. <laughs> that was one of my puzzle pieces. <laughs> Swiss nice. Army Man. Why do, just, why do you go with that one next then, oh, for sure? Yeah. <laughs> Um, like just a farting. Yeah, it's just so much farting. I love how in the lighthouse, like Defoe's character doesn't apologize at any point for the farting. Like, absolutely, it doesn't even sort of register that he's done it. It's just mm-hmm. like happens, and I just thought of Swiss Army Man. I mean, I love that film so much. I know that it's one of those films that you either love it or you hate it, and I think. The Lighthouse is one of those movies that you're even going to love this and go, you know, just realize how crazy it is and just accept it or you're going to loathe it. Well, it was my favorite movie of 2016. So I loved it. Nice. It's so good, isn't it? I just, yeah, Swiss Army Man, again, is that sort of um, dynamic between two people on screen for the majority of the runtime as well mm-hmm. and their relationship that evolves and and it is very tender and there are tender moments in lighthouse as well like <laughs> when they're slow dancing with each other uh-huh it's so it's so beautiful <laughs> and it's just like oh it's like that bromance going on um, he's but... so hurt that Robert Pattinson doesn't like his cooking that, <laughs> that he launches into that that just tirade. I mean, it's amazing. It's so oh, sweet. I love it. I love it. It's like you like my lobster. <laughs> Tell me you like my lobster. <laughs> I like also. I mean, it doesn't really relate to Swiss Army Man necessarily, but I also like, as far as the farts are concerned, I, I like the idea of it just being a kind of you know another level of. Uh, his kind of seniority over him mm. like his like you know i i'm not even going to address whether or not you like this i'm just going to fart you know? like a sl- psychological warfare yeah. going on there it's like yeah you're just gonna have to put up with it and <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. I love that we get to talk about Swiss Army. Man I know. This. I love that <laughs> film so much. I, I think it's one of those underrated movies that was possibly not sold right. Sure. Uh, and as a, yeah, <laughs> it's like you just have to accept that film for what it is. And it's very, um, such an interesting take on a mental illness and depression. I think the same with The Lighthouse mm-hmm. is that um, underneath all the farting and the weird <laughs> horror is a very interesting story about um, a mental breakdown uh, mm-hmm. and um, depression and also guilt. And sure. it's a very serious movie if you if you look at it. But, you know, it. It's also a silly movie as well, which includes, you know, fart jokes and shit being thrown in people's faces. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Amongst other things. Um, well. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I will go ahead with another one. Um, so th- this is kind of a weird one for me because I know that what I'm really talking about is something else. However, I don't have specific uh, movie titles. So I'm going with kind of a little bit of a basic bitch puzzle piece right here, <laughs> but it's, uh, I'm going to go with the, the training scene in kill bill volume two, where, uh, Beatrix's, uh, master is like, just, you know, just being so mean to her and just putting her through like rigorous, torturous training, um, which of course is taken from all kinds of like Shaolin, you know, like, you know, uh, those those kind of martial arts movies that Quentin Tarantino loves so much. And I just don't have specific names. That's why I'm not pointing to those exactly. But um, there's a similar dynamic here in uh, in The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe just, you know, being so unnecessarily mean to Robert Pattinson for a lot of it and just like really just making him do just the most menial tasks and, and disgusting work and uh, just not even letting up for a second as to like, you know, I'm not going to go easy on you at all and you are going to thank me for it, you know, and just really being tough on him the whole time. And so it reminded me of that whole that whole segment in, in Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah, yeah, he really like the stuff he makes him do i feel so sorry for um robert patterson's character it it just yeah (laughs) it's that (laughs) brutalness and it's kind of like he knows that he's in charge and he's exploiting that like yes oh that's a yeah that's uh, i get what you're saying that's a very good piece awesome i didn't think of that i like it i love it i love it um beautiful so, talking about islands and um, strange goings on, um, I I want to uh, go on to discuss Martin Scorsese's 2010 film Shutter Island. That was on my list too. Oh yes, see, great <laughs> minds think alike. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it, it's the whole idea of what is real and what isn't real, and mm-hmm. um this sort of the fact that it's on the island and you're isolated and this weird past this dark secret coming out and Mm -hmm. haunting the main character and yeah i just i think shutter island is one of martin scorsese's most underrated films 
it's yeah. it's so good and I, it, I think it kind of was cursed with the same you know release date as Inception and they both got mm. like a bit of a twist to them they're both kind of dreamy in that respect and I think like Shore Island kind of got forgotten about really it does seem that way I I, I, I joked on Twitter at one point about uh, you know when people are kind of talking shit lately about Scorsese and saying all he does is you know mob movies I was like oh yeah Shutter Island such you know such a mob movie um <laughs> you know it, it definitely but yeah people don't really look back on it as fondly as I think they should I mean obviously great you know performance in there and also I mean you know a lot of the movies we've been talking about you know they do bring up that question of you know what is real and what isn't and I just appreciate that so much when a movie you know, and it's not doing it in a cheap way, but in a way that genuinely, you know, there's so much to think about and so much to interpret and think about like who, you know, what is real, what isn't, like who is crazy, who isn't. It's just, it's really great when a movie can be that meaty and there's so much to, so much to dig into. Yeah, there's one um, moment that I, I watched a video about it actually, about how clever Shutter Island is, is when he's interrogating a woman and in one shot she looks like she's drinking from a glass and then you cut back and she's just holding her hand like she's holding a glass Mm. and you could be like oh that's just bad editing but it's actually deliberate and it's like questioning your sanity like is she did she she have a glass at all am I just imagining (laughs) that kind of like with Psycho where it's like do you actually see the knife going into the person or or not it's just how clever the editing is and that's what um yeah that's the level that uh, of um attention and craftsmanship from martin scorsese i mean yeah he he's known for his mob movies i mean but that's so i i just don't get it because he's done so many other great movies that have nothing to do with gangsters absolutely like silence and like hugo and alice doesn't live here anymore and all those movies that i think get forgotten about so yeah shutter island is one of those movies that really yeah needs more love (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure you know it's a total aside uh it's nothing to do with the lighthouse but uh hugo is a movie i always myself forget about and i love that movie so yeah, much i just so think it's good. such a good yeah celebration of film and cinema i mean it's awesome well you can say you can say that the lighthouse is also a celebration of cinema that's yeah i mean you certainly could yeah yeah right on um well okay i only have one more puzzle piece uh because i I did have shutter island on my list but my last one is kind of one of those pieces that it's definitely too new to to truly i think have been an inspiration but i do see a parallel in a way um and that is actually ari aster's midsummer uh which i find it interesting that these two uh, filmmakers, um, both A24, you know, films, uh, they had these, these huge hit debuts with, with a horror film and followed it up with something that is both similar, like in the same vein, like, you know, horror related, but also just so much more funny than the previous films. Mm. 
And I, I just thought there was an interesting parallel there for these two filmmakers, uh, because Midsummer, I mean, you know, as as disturbing and creepy as it all is, it's also like incredibly funny. Like there's a <laughs> lot of real like funny moments in that movie. And I the same for The Lighthouse. I mean, you know, there's not that much to laugh about during The Witch, but during The Lighthouse, I found myself <laughs> laughing quite a quite a lot. You know, um, even though it is just incredibly disturbing at times, incredibly bleak um but there's still you know so much more of a uh you know it's hard to even call it a lightened mood because of it. it's still so freaking disturbing but uh but you know it's still there's there's a lot more to laugh at it's much more veers into dark comedy with both of these filmmakers with their their sophomore efforts yeah and i think uh you, know, you were saying about the the comedy in midsummer i i just remember was it that when they have the bear in a cage uh-huh and it's just what is that like it's like what is it it's, it's a bear in a cage you know it's yep. just... <laughs> is anybody going to talk about that bear <laughs> <laughs> so so crazy and again is um a film that is such an interesting one to follow up like you know hereditary with you would almost you know, it's like with uh eggers you think well, is he going to stick with something like the witch you know that type of theme that type mm-hmm. of look and then he go, go does something completely different and it's yeah. yeah it's so it's so good and both of those movies are yeah like just unlike anything else that's come out this year yeah absolutely i was listening to um the big picture podcast and uh the host asked robert eggers uh, it was an interview with eggers and uh, the host brought up about how between the uh, the witch and the lighthouse, how sonically they're like kind of like complete opposites. With the witch being such a quiet movie, and and the lighthouse just being like a constant barrage of sound, you know. And I just found that so interesting. It it really really is like and doing that though within that same almost similar style though because it's still you know so so squarely set in a specific time frame and such attention to detail and production design and all that stuff so it's it's similar but then completely different yeah yeah i mean i i think it's interesting that they both directors don't play it safe and Mm -hmm. they they try something completely different uh but they still sort of keep to the horror theme yeah uh, and yeah like the this interesting movies in terms of what they're, they're talking about like the topics they're talking about like depression and and grief and um the relationship as well like you know you yeah. happen to talk about um defoe's character like gaslighting and being yeah. you know the same happens in in midsummer you know, with sure. the main character's boyfriend sort of gaslighting her and, and making her question her own sanity and totally reality. And yeah, they're both such great movies. But, oh, yeah. Uh, it would be really messed up to watch them both after oh one God. after each other. You know, you're just going to like descend into madness. <laughs> A24 is out to make us all go crazy this year. Yeah. Climax. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh my gosh climax oh wow and high life i mean yeah yeah there you go yeah yeah 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on this year? Is it like I know. cinema just like uh, wants us all to question our own reality? It's crazy. I mean, I think that's what's happening. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Love it. I, I love it too. <laughs> so, what do you got next? Do you have uh, any more puzzle pieces? I have, and I'm going to take you. I'm going to do do some more film history related um, picks. Um, so, uh, the first one I'm going to go with is uh, the 1929 surreal film from uh, Louis uh, Bunnell and Salvador Dali, and it's uh, Un Chien Adalu. Um, it's fa- it's pretty famous. Uh, it's been referenced so many times in various different um, cinematic pieces. Even the, you know the Simpsons have a reference to it. It's the mm-hmm. famous film where the, you see a woman's eye being cut with a, a knife with a blade, mm. uh, and you have uh, you know the imagery of a man's hand turning into ants. <laughs> there is no plot to it. The movie is uh, based on dreams, and a fun little fact: Robert uh, Pattinson actually starred as Dali in a film called Little Ashes. Um, so I've never seen that one. Yeah. No, I haven't actually seen it either. Which is, you know, as a Robert Pattinson fan, I feel like I should have done. Uh, but you know, I I will ca- I will catch up with all of his work. Uh... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. They, the, so that's one of the films. Uh, I also have The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, uh, which is the, the famous German um, uh, film, the gothic horror, uh, which, again, has this idea of heightened reality, doesn't really exist in a particular type of time, mm. um, and then plays on... Uh, the the use of tight uh, angles and camera shots and um, car- the the main villain of the movie um, is this sort of <sighs> hypnotized monster <laughs> called Caesar who's wide eyed and like manic and uh, you know is completely uh robotic and how he walks and moves and uh-huh. I think there's a lot of that with Robert Patterson's character in the lighthouse is this almost like he's under some sort of hypnotic spell and is sure like shell-shocked as well and suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder which is how these um, German expressionistic movies came about was you know they saw men returning from the front lines of you know during the first world war and this they didn't know what um post-traumatic stress disorder was and a lot of the men kind of looked like how caesar is in um uh, dr caligari is this Mm. shell-shocked a wide-eyed slow-moving man who doesn't connect to reality and i think that's what happened what we see with the lighthouse again is this idea of um yeah this the haunted being haunted by your past and how that bleeds into your contemporary every day um so those are two films and my last one again is another 
another old film from the 1920s, not so virtu. Which fun fun fact, Defoe played um, <laughs> Max Sherrick in Shadow the Vampire. So I just... love that movie. Yeah. So, good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just thought I would put those both in. But again, that is another movie that um, uses the heightened sense of reality and uh, jarring camera angles to put the the viewer on this like gets under their skin and yeah gets you sort of like um really uh, in this weird like it's all about the atmosphere of the movie and this heightened reality and not knowing what is real and what's like a dream and um yeah again is so ahead of its time i mean all of those movies are ahead of its time and i feel like um the lighthouse is ahead of its time it's right it's so unlike anything that we have now i mean we've obviously spoken about puzzle pieces but it's really hard to find puzzle pieces for this film sure Absolutely. I mean, like I said at the beginning, that was part of the reason I knew that you would make for a good uh, co-host on this one, because I know you know a lot of those movies that are uh, much earlier that I, you know, just haven't, you know, exposed myself to. But um, uh, yeah, as far as contemporary, though, I mean, there's really not much that has come out lately. I mean, I even just like that uh you know that setting or mm. that style or you know any of it really not none of nothing happening in this is stuff that really happens that much recently yeah and i think that's what i like about eggers is that he clearly has studied film and yeah. you know knows about you know bergman and all these you know david lynch and all these films from the 1920s and has managed to incorporate them into his film, and mm-hmm. and I hope that will give people um, it will help you know a whole new generation go back and discover these old movies because you know you can it's great to see how these films have influenced not just Eggers but many many directors you know uh, just go watch uh, something like Beetlejuice. You know, Tim any any Tim Burton movie, and then go watch, you know, the the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, and then right. come back to me and say, you know, like Burton clearly, you know, wasn't wasn't influenced by those films because he was. I mean, of course, yeah. Ha- that's what's kind of wonderful about studying as film is seeing how it all sort of bleeds into uh, the movies that we have now. Is that everything? Um, especially with silent cinema we we forget how revolutionary those films are and what they do i mean sure yeah. that's why um you know the conscious decision to have the lighthouse shot in black and white and in that ratio you know yeah is is sort of referencing those older older old 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 movies <laughs> yes yes absolutely uh well right on why don't i go ahead and do the finished puzzle and then we'll get into any uh any further closing thoughts we have um the finished puzzle includes hour of the wolf the shining persona there will be blood Eraserhead, Mahalan drive raiders of the lost ark the last crusade the flannan isles lighthouse mystery 
Step Brothers, Swiss Army Man, Kill Bill Volume 2, Shutter Island, Midsummer, Unshen Andalou, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and Nosferatu. Uh, a, a long, <laughs> long history of movies. I mean, from recent stuff to very, very old. Um, but yeah, a, lo- a, lot of, uh, a lot of madness happening throughout these, but then also a lot of, uh, of other, other kind of influences along the way. Um, you know, one question I also wanted to uh, ask you, you know, this movie is so, like stinkingly male you know (laughs) and having you as a co-host being a woman i I mean it's just curious your thoughts on that just how 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 much male energy is there is in this and not to have really barely anything female in this movie aside from the mermaid really i you know what i i wonder whether men are actually like this (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) um i I think it's such an interesting film because it really, um, yeah, you you, it, it's this idea of um, ma- toxic masculinity gone gone wild, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. this idea that they almost want to outdo themselves, like peacocks or something, you know, showing <laughs> off to each other, like how gross the other one can be, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. I I just love it i find it such an interesting film about what is it's saying and this you know the power dynamics and yeah they just seems like they just need this companionship and all they have is each other and how that was yeah this (laughs) i just think of that mermaid like oh my god (laughs) that we didn't even talk about the mermaid i mean i know she is really she's really something <laughs> oh yeah that that's a that's i think that kind of sums up the mermaid she is something right? <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm just i'm just that weird love making scene between like oh Oh. oh boy you know I, I gotta <laughs> say as far you know we're obviously robert pattinson fans here the both of yes. us and i gotta say uh not only the talent that this guy has and but the the choices the roles that he is picking and the, this career that he's building for himself i mean it is just wild the things that he is getting to do and i got to imagine for someone to have this this range and this uh you know just this talent level he must himself be inspired by a lot of these you know these classic weird Mm. films and so he must like just really be loving getting to do these kind of projects i mean it's so uh, yeah he's such a great actor i feel like just because he happened to star in those twilight movies Uh you know the same with uh kristen stewart she's a great actress you know sure absolutely uh, just because they happen to star in those movies doesn't define them you know it because Robert Pattinson oh my god he's in so many great movies I just think you know we had High Life you know he's been in um, Good Time uh, he's been in Maps to, uh, Maps to the Stars I mean Lost City of Z oh my god yes yeah it's so yeah. I'm so excited to see what he does with Batman 
like I know it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, it, it, it's obviously we're getting back into you know the studio world, the big uh, you know big blockbuster world. But I mean, I, I think he's going to really you know do something interesting with it. I don't think he would have taken it otherwise. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm sad to see but you know Batfleck go. You know. I love, yeah, yeah, I, I I liked him. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but I'm excited to see like this different maybe darker grittier version i know i know like dark and gritty goes with batman you know like sure uh, like uh, baked beans and farting but you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a metaphor i like it. <laughs> thanks <laughs> uh but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what happens and i, I think his decisions on, on what roles he takes he, he really you know, it doesn't just take anything. I feel like um, he puts a lot of thought in. And also Defoe, I mean, can he just... Someone give him an Oscar already. Like, what it's else does crazy. he need to do? <laughs> I know. I, I still can't believe he didn't get uh, for the Florida Project. Oh, my I God. Mean, I, it, biggest snub ever. Uh, yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it was he in that movie is just the most natural, like thing i have seen like probably this decade i mean so damn good yeah yeah. oh man well uh this was great talking about this movie uh b how's uh how's things going with you and your your uh your new you know podcast and your new site and all that yeah so um it's called in their own league and it's going really well um it's uh, you know obviously devoted to women in film and discussing uh anything to do with female filmmakers female characters female representation on screen and we're about to launch next month our top 50 films of the decade and nice. yeah, it's going to be a very interesting list. There's going to be some movies on there, which I think people aren't necessarily going to expect. Uh, there may be a Robert Pattinson movie or two on there. You know, <laughs> he did star in um, High Life, um, which was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, he he's he's definitely got like, you know, I, I not enough male actors are um you know a, <laughs> teaming up with female filmmakers but he is sure. one of them so he's yeah he, so that's really great and um I'm excited to see what happens next really I mean it's it's been a lot of fun it's a lot of hard work and yeah. our, <laughs> our podcast is launching um next next month as well so that's going to be a lot of fun beautiful Right on. And uh, I just realized I forgot to ask you before that, uh, what's uh, another movie you've seen recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> so I watched recently um, the Ken Loach movie, um, Sorry We Missed You. Um, if anyone has had has been on Twitter, they probably have seen him saying stuff about Marvel movies. Um, <laughs> but Trust me, like, don't go and he's a really great filmmaker and what he does and and how he talks about films to do with the British working class is so interesting and it's such a great movie. It's very um, slow, but it's very real. The actors are all um, non-trained actors and it's about Mm. um, a man who, who works for a company kind of like Amazon where he's a 
self-employed delivery driver who works on a zero hour contract and he works himself into exhaustion because you know if he doesn't work if he doesn't deliver he gets penalties and his family life sort of breaks down around him so it's a very serious movie but there are moments of comedy in it and it's it's a, a great film which i hope more people go and see and it will be uh, releasing next week i believe all right great uh yeah i've heard really good things about it so uh hopefully it's uh, opening here at the same time and hopefully i'll be able to check it out yeah i would just bring some tissues with you if you're gonna go watch okay. it because i i was crying by the end of it i was just like uh, but yeah, I I cry at so many films. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, you got to bring tissues for a different reason for Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, right on. B is great having you here again. Um, good luck with the uh, with the new podcast, and hopefully we'll have you back on again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, and um, you do such great work, and I love just talking to you about movies. And really, just ah, it's so good. So good. Oh, thank you so much. Hello, everybody. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of That Moment In. We are slightly different than your average movie podcast in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out. We are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast. And we are available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Um, It was a lot of fun to talk about. And I am hoping to go back and see it again, if not tonight, definitely this week sometime. Because this movie... Oh my God, it's so good. I, I actually, this is one of those movies that really grows with you. When I walked out of the theater, I was like, I mean, I loved it, but I don't know exactly how much I loved it, um, but I just can't stop thinking about it. And it's definitely one of those movies. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. There's really no way that anything we talked about could truly spoil it for you because it's an experience. So uh, I definitely highly recommend it. And I just want to say, um, you know, we're kicking off November with this one. And uh, October was probably not counting the month where the Midsummer episode just went completely viral, insane. I don't even know how it happened. But uh, October was our biggest month other than that. And I want to thank you all who have been listening to the show. We keep getting new listeners, new people getting in touch with us. we got a whole bunch of new co-hosts coming up for you guys. Uh, you know, we've just been... It's just been awesome, the growth of this show, and I really appreciate everybody who's been out there listening. Uh, I, I want to keep making the show better, so you know, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or just get in touch with me and let me know how you're enjoying the show, what we could do to make it better. Uh, I, I just I love doing it, and I want to keep putting out great shows for you guys. Uh, of course, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the big podcast apps, and follow us on social media, at Pod 
and uh, join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue talking about all these movies. And we also have our Patreon, which I am starting to record a whole bunch of new content for. Uh, right now, there is a uh, unreleased episode on Jay and Silent Bob reboot up there in the uh, Patreon, which you'll get if you become a patron of our Patreon. Is that what it's called? Uh, but if you do that, you'll get early access to that which the episode won't be coming out until it hits VOD, so uh, that could be a little while. I'm not sure when that's going to be. So go check that out. And we're recording some special episodes that will be exclusive to the Patreon. Those are going to be coming real soon, too. So uh, as we always do with piecing it together, I'm going to leave you with a piece of my music. I think a good one for uh, a movie like The Lighthouse and The Storms and all that stuff would be this track called An Unseen Sky, which, of course, was the title track for my album my second album an unseen sky so enjoy this song and uh we will be back with more piecing it together next week And all points west. 